Corruption, Racism, Xenophobia, White Supremacy, Healthcare Protections Hanging by a Thread, Law Enforcement Encouraged to Commit Acts of Brutality, Peaceful People Being Separated from Their Families, and at the helm, a man beholden to Russia who is so unhinged that his actions could actually lead us to nuclear war. Join Liberal Dan Radio, Talk from the Left That's Right, Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Central on Blog Talk Radio. Together we must stand against the destruction of this country and the ideals we hold dear before it's too late. It's area code 914-803-4131. That's area code 914-803-4131. You can also join me and bring it boy in the chat room at uh, blogtalkradio.com slash liberaldan. Go to the show page itself, the episode page, and the chat is loaded. And well, not drunk, but it is there. And if you're listening after the live broadcast, you can always leave your comments, questions, and concerns, etc., on the show thread at liberaldan.com, on facebook.com slash liberaldan, or at liberaldanradio on Twitter. Today is my 200th episode, and of course we started my 200th episode with about 15 minutes of dead air, uh, thanks to bringing it boy to uh, letting me know that something was going on, and we will edit that audio out at the beginning of this, or when I finish the show and once it's done processing. So, but of course... Uh, blog talk radio we're not without errors or technical difficulties it happens all the time um i guess you get what you pay for so not a ringing endorsement there blog talk radio i do also have a, a mini cast that i do on anchor uh the link to that is on my twitter account at liberal dan radio on twitter you could check that out as well if you want to and uh i, I occasionally post things up there in fact last week when i had my last technical difficulty and couldn't connect to the show I did a minicast on the Wednesday and then redid the podcast on the Thursday. So we've got an interesting, uh, <laughs> yeah, bring it boy, edit. That was my best stuff. Yeah, you'll do better. So uh, we got, a, of course, Super Tuesday uh, yesterday. And uh, part of the things with Super Tuesday uh, is you had two sets of primaries. You had the Republican primaries and you had the Democratic primaries. Of course, the Republican primary has been pretty much nerfed by the Republican Party. State Republican parties have decided to just go ahead and not hold them because they figured they want to just placate to Herr Trump, to Comrade, Comrade Trump, and not allow him to have any opposition. But that didn't stop some states from having it. North Carolina had one, and Trump got almost 800,000 votes. People came out just to say, hey, we support you, which I would think that with as much of an egomaniac as Donald Trump is, you would think that he would want everybody to have primaries so he can say, look, 
come out and vote for me. I'm the best candidate ever. Look at all the votes I'm getting, and I'm not even being challenged by anybody, except for a few losers. Like, wonder does, does he have any uh, Josh Bill Weld? Uh, does he have any um, well, Zoltan Istvan is running. He has gotten five, almost 5,000 votes. Ooh. <laughs> That's in California. Um, Zoltan Istvan. Is that the guy from the um, the uh, Make-A-Wish machine and Big. Um, so, and <coughs> Donald Trump got uh, 1.4 million votes in, in California, the Republican primary. It's, it's, you know, he probably loves the fact that he got those votes. And I'm surprised he didn't have more of an ego experiment with that, just people just kissing his ass. Come vote for me, kiss my ass, show me that I can get more votes in the primary than the Democrats. But he's not. In North Carolina, uh, he had... He had about 700,000, and I think the Democrats had about 1.3. Of course, Joe Biden, North Carolina, was one of the first ones that was called, and was called for Joe Biden, and we're not really surprised about that or many of the other southern states. Uh, and I'll get to the southern states issue later, but I just kind of did want to want to go over a brief kind of summary of each of the each of the states as it stands at this point 100 percent reporting in alabama joe biden got 63 percent of the vote um complete shellacking there we saw joe being 45 percent of the vote um not surprising there either california only has about 90 percent of the vote counting um but a lot of mail-in votes but other states where the votes are being before the election uh, these votes can be postmarked by the election as long as they get them by Friday. Uh, so it's possible that, like, in other states like um, Colorado, where a lot of mail votes have been, been for that didn't end up being on the ballot <coughs> or being a, a candidate on that day. Um, and in some cases in California, you also had circumstances where people were mailing in their ballot. Or maybe it was Colorado. I don't know. I think it was maybe it was Colorado. Either Colorado or California. One of the newscasters was talking about that. Basically saying that you know, if people do early, there's no do those votes. They voted for the wrong people. But if they uh, they could get a new form if they came in on election day and needed to put in a new person because their their preferred dropped out. Uh, so, but 90% of the vote reporting, uh, the rest of those are going to be mail-in votes most likely. And because they could be mailed in on the day of the election, as long as they're postmarked that day, guess what? You could, that could mean that Joe Biden could have an increase because right now you have about 14.3% of the of the California vote that went towards Bloomberg, 6.3 to Pete, 3.1 to Amy Klobuchar. I don't know how many of those were specifically mail-ins that were mailed in before they dropped out or not, but I have a feeling that the mo- rest of the votes that are coming in, you may very well see Joe Biden inch up, get 25, 26, 27% of the vote uh, because you're going to be seeing a lot more mail-ins uh, from people who are casting votes after. Of course, you're going to see Bernie Sanders votes too, and I'm sure he will still end the uh, he'll, he'll end the election uh, with the lead in California. It just depends on how many of the delegates these people are going to get at the end of the day, including Elizabeth Warren, who's still in the race. Uh, Mike Bloomberg, however, has dropped out of the race, uh, which, again, as I said in the first part of the show before, um, 
that, you know, he paid $500 million or something to be publicly humiliated. And uh, I'm not a kink shamer, but you could probably have got it done for a lot cheaper other places. Um, Tulsi, Gab- hey, Tulsi Gabbard and Yang, that's what uh, Bring It Boy wants to see. Tulsi Gabbard has a delegate. She managed to get a delegate from America Samoa. Way to go, Tulsi. You you did it. You got one delegate. It's more delegates than Tom Steyer. More delegates than a lot of other people who wanted to run for president. So so there's your there's your claim to fame. You got a delegate, somebody who at the national convention, assuming you don't drop out or withdraw and release your candidate before then, somebody who will have to vote for you and your name will be etched in forever in infamy. Yes. Okay. So Colorado, uh, Bernie Sanders, 36%. Joe Biden, 23%. Thing, Mike Bloomberg, 20%. <clears throat> he got nine delegates. She got nine delegates. If Joe Biden and Michael Bloomberg, if Michael Bloomberg had not been in the race and tried this chicanery, uh, this um, malarkey, if you will, I, I tweeted out yesterday that Joe Biden apparently would have up with this malarkey, and he decided that he was going to kick some ass. And so, uh, nine, nine, I mean, he, if you look at the delegate numbers, eight, the percentage numbers, 20, 23, I'm assuming that most, if not all, of Michael Bloomberg's votes would, are coming from Biden. You'd have 43%, 44% of the vote versus Bernie Sanders' 36. I can't imagine to have many people going from Michael Bloomberg saying, you know what, I think I'll go for Bernie. Maybe a couple of my fellow tribesmen, maybe a couple of Jews. I'm going to support the Jew no matter what. I'll go support the Jew. That's fine. Maybe. You never know. Maybe maybe more people from Florida. Because <laughs> Bloomberg was at the convention in Florida, and he kept saying Florida. That just reminds me of so many people I went to school with with that, with that accent, with that, that kind of nasally New York type accent that, you know, some of some of us Jews are known to have the main main a big surprise, huge ninety eight percent reporting, thirty four point one percent Joe Biden, thirty two point nine percent. The fact that he won Maine, out amazing, outstanding. Elizabeth Warren got fifteen point seven. She managed to get above that fifteen percent threshold. Michael Bloomberg did not, and one of the reasons why I'm sure he dropped out of the race. Massachusetts, according to the news, according to the media, Joe Biden did not spend one single cent in the state of Massachusetts. Not one penny. And got 36 delegates, got the lead with 33.6% of the vote. Seven more, seven more votes, more delegates than Bernie Sanders. 13 delegates than Elizabeth Warren, whose state that is. She was probably hoping to, hoping to do much better in that state. And why did Elizabeth Warren not do as well? Maybe some discussion of sexism just you know, going on, and a lot of people not wanting to give the woman. I mean, she's probably the brightest person in the room, and <clears throat> she would be an amazing vice presidential candidate. She would be an amazing presidential candidate. I think if I had to cast a vote on Super Tuesday, it may very well have been for Elizabeth Warren. It may very well have been. And I haven't I hadn't come out for anybody yet, but I mean every single political test I take online and you know, 
those are probably skewed a little bit. But every single political test I take online that says which candidate is more closely aligned with you usually comes out Elizabeth Warren. You, you sit and you listen to what she has to say and what she said about the financial crisis when she was in charge of that committee uh, before she ran for the Senate, uh, where the Republicans refused to put her on the committee that she called for. And as such, she had to go run for the Senate to go kick some ass. But she's she's a hell of a person and super impressive. And the fact that she's not doing better than she is is just shameful. But again, I'm vote blue no matter who. If it's Joe Biden, if it's Bernie Sanders, if it's Elizabeth Warren, I'm voting for them. Let's see what else we got? Minnesota, Minnesota, another shocker. Joe Biden wins again because Klobuchar. Um, Joe Biden wins that state too. I, I want to say that maybe in 2016, uh, Bernie Sanders might have won that one. Who knows? Um, lots of people on the ballot in Minnesota, um, North Carolina. We discussed already. Oklahoma. This is another one. I, a memory came up for me on Facebook. Um, the other day where I was, where people were being critical of me for um, talking about Bernie Sanders and, and his blunder from last time. And I'll get to Bernie's blunder in a second, but um, Bernie Sanders won Oklahoma last time. I mean, it was just him and her, Hillary. This time he only got 24, 25%, 13.4% for Warren. So she didn't get anything there. Uh, Bloomberg managed to pull out a couple of delegates because I guess he got some congressional district delegates. But Biden got 21 delegates, 38.7%. Um, he turned a nothing state into, into a state where he did well. Tennessee, another <coughs> southern state, 29 delegates for Joe Biden, 29 delegates. Um, some math here on my thing that I have to update because of that. Um, again. I'm not surprised at that one. 41.7% versus 25% of the vote. Bloomberg got 15.5. Elizabeth Warren managed to get one. So let's keep on going down the list here. We've only got a couple of more. Texas, another huge surprise. I went to bed last night thinking that Bernie Sanders was going to win Texas. Um, but there was there was the Texas Tribune, I want to say, the editor of the Texas Tribune, was seeing numbers from one of the polling stations, I think in Harris County, uh, and, and they were coming in, you know, strong for Biden, and, and MSNBC had not seen those numbers yet. A lot of the pundits, went, when I went to bed, were like, you know, congratulations to Bernie for winning Texas and California, and then came back was like, oops, that's not true. And Joe Biden ends up 100% of the reporting, 81 delegates to 72, 34.5% of the vote. Now, Joe Biden did put in an effort in Texas, and I'm sure that a lot of the endorsements he got in the last minute, including Beto, um, helped him a lot on Election Day. His Election Day results were super strong. Utah, one of the few bright spots for Bernie Sanders. Um, I'm a little confused at the numbers here. There's only 74% reporting. Um, It's showing that Warren has 15.5% of the vote, but has zero delegates, which doesn't quite make sense. So I'm thinking this may have some updating to do some more. Um, But Joe Biden only got one delegate, Bloomberg two, Bernie Sanders nine, 
not a surprise. And I do see you on the on a call on hold, caller. I will get to you um, probably after the commercial break. Let me deal with these last two states. We'll hit our commercial break and then I'll take your calls. Um, Vermont, no surprise. Bernie got 50% in Vermont. That's also an interesting thing to keep in mind that he got 50% in Vermont. Let's talk about the other states that he did and, and what percentage he's at. Joe Biden, 22%, uh, five delegates, the remaining five delegates from Vermont go to Joe So only, even though he got a majority of Vermont, only a six point swing in Vermont. And Virginia, last but not least, Virginia, Joe Biden has almost has more votes this year than Bernie and Hillary had combined last year. Um, <clears throat> a million votes between Bernie and Joe. Of course, Joe Biden got 53.2% of the vote, 66 delegates out of Virginia, 31 delegates for Bernie, two for Elizabeth Warren against those congressional district ones. You have 100% reporting, so those are all there. <clears throat> but you also had 100,000 more for Bloomberg, so it's at seven, it's almost 12, almost 1.3 million voters. I think the last time you only had about 700,000. So that's the state-by-state results. Let's go ahead and we'll take our first commercial break. Uh, we'll take your calls as well. Um, it's 914-803-4131. That's 914-803-4131. This is Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left. That's right. Are you planning a trip to Disney soon? Do you want help avoiding spending mistakes and making the most of your vacation? Then check out Budgeteers.com, a new site devoted to helping you get the most mouse for your money. What kinds of tickets should you get? Is the dining plan a good deal for you? Should you stay on grounds or not? Should you buy park hoppers? Many other sites are filled with information about what other people like to do. But Budgeteers is geared to help you make the best decision for you. So check out Budgeteers.com or go to YouTube.com slash Budgeteers and help make your trip the best it can be. Budgeteers.com is not a travel agency and it is not affiliated with the Disney Corporation or any of its holdings. In a world gone mad, one progressive will do a bad movie trailer guy impression to get you to listen to his show. There's only one thing that I like better than the Liberal Dan Radio minicast. All right, Bill, that's enough of that. On the Liberal Dan Radio minicast, you will hear an honest discussion of the day's issues with some personal bits in between. You might even hear what the other side has to say, sometimes even in their own voices. So become one of the Liberal Dan family, because family means no one gets left behind or forgotten. To hear those bad impressions and more, tune into the Liberal Dan Radio minicast. Talk from the left, that's right. And I think to myself, what a wonderful show, mmm, yeah. Are you someone who is looking to get into the ride-sharing business, be it for a side hustle or a full-time gig? Are you currently a ride-share driver wondering how to increase your earnings? 
Are you simply a new rider looking for first-time rider credits? Head on over to RideshareDan.com for those first-time rider credits, sign-up bonuses for new drivers, and my tips and tricks to help you make more money in the gig economy. Greetings. This is Nimbus Yosh, host of the Percy Podcast. What is the Percy Podcast? <laughs> well, it's pretty much the smoothest talking host you'll ever hear in your life talking about all kinds of things, political things, nerdy things, fun things, not-so-fun things. Go ahead, give a listen, and follow at the Percy Podcast for more updates and information. Why not sit back and take a listen to one of the best podcasts you'll ever hear, and no one else will. (laughs) Catch you on the tunes. Dan Zimmerman coming at you from New Orleans, Louisiana. Again, to join the conversation, it's area code 914-803-4131. Sorry, code 9803-4131. Now, do have to take a minor issue with uh, the host of the most Nimbus Yosh there on that commercial. I might very well be the smoothest host you ever see, but you never know. And maybe we'll have him on and we'll do a show together. Um, I'm sure he really wanted to uh, debate this uh, topic with me. Uh, surprised he was up when I when I tweeted about the show. I'm actually surprised he didn't. Uh, I'm surprised he didn't. Um, um, what what should we call it? A little brain fart. I'm surprised he didn't uh, call in for this one just because of the fact that we were going a little bit back and forth on Twitter earlier today about the issues uh, pertaining with Super Tuesday. But I do want to go ahead and bring on a caller. Mike from Minnesota, you are on Liberal Dan Radio. Uh, what what can I help you with? What do you have to say? Yes, sir. Uh, first of all, thanks for taking my call. Um, I just wanted to point out. Well, I guess and you're obviously a liberal and I'm I'm conservative, but I kind of know that we're seeing similar parallels in the 2016 elections with the UK and the US, and I think we're going to see a similar sort of parallel dynamic happen again, where we're going to have pretty identical results. And are you familiar with UK politics at all? Like, do you follow that? Well, yeah. I mean, you had uh, the whole Brexit vote that happened, uh, and you yeah. had the uh, situation where um, a bunch of conservatives, you know, wanted to leave the European Union, um, and it was it was I'm not going to call it a I don't want to call it a coup in the sense of a, of a military coup or a takeover coup, but just uh, a lot of people were surprised at the fact that the that the Brexit vote was was allowed to, was not allowed but was successful. Um, and then it took a long time to uh, to continue. But you know, there's there are similarities. I can see the similarities of people supporting uh, the Brexit uh, against the people who don't. And um, I think the people who didn't support exiting the European Union were were uh, probably less organized. Lots lots of infighting. Lots of uh, diverse groups trying to fight. Meanwhile, one more solidified group, like the more conservative party, uh, was able to kind of form up and 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 kind of team up with similar concerns. I saw some of the things that were going on with Brexit uh, with, you know, there's a lot, there was some xenophobic uh, talk going on over there. You know, people not wanting to have uh, immigration coming in. There was xenophobia that was being dealt with uh, Donald Trump during the 2016 election. 
Um, he wanted to put a total complete ban on Muslims entering the country. So that way ultimately ultimately initiated, uh, but it was a step towards that direction of a total and complete ban. Why, of course, he wants to build a wall. He wants to prevent um, refugees from coming over. He wants to set limits on who comes into the country. So there's there's definitely a lot of similarities there. And it's just a matter of, um, you know, with, with Brexit, you had the situation where Brexit, I think, was uh, the only difference was Brexit was an up or down vote of the citizenry, if I'm, if I'm correct about that. Uh, they asked the citizens, do you want to leave or not? And more citizens said yes. Uh, then no. In, in the United States, you had a situation where more people said, we want Hillary. That's just irrelevant because that's not how we pick our president. So, um, but did you have another point to make about that? Or Yeah, there were there were other similarities you need to take note of. I, mean, I, I can understand from a liberal perspective, you may not notice those things, but heading into the Brexit vote, the mainstream media in the UK and the establishment media was overwhelmingly in favor of staying in the European Union. They didn't want Brexit. And all the polls leading up to the election were overwhelmingly saying that you know, the UK was going to vote to stay. And it was a very identical to what we saw here with the Clinton-Trump situation, where the media was on Clinton's side and the polls and everything getting into the election were in favor of Clinton. And what happened was that the parts of America, similar to the parts of the UK, that either went Trump or went to vote for Brexit, were similar. They were working class, white areas in, outside of the cities. In, in the U.K., it's called the Midlands, it's up in the northern area, and in the U.S., you know, it's the upper Midwest. Those two areas went in broken a direction no one saw coming, and they went opposite to what they usually would expect to do. Now, you fast forward to today. In the U.K., 75% of Parliament was in favor of staying. They went out for Brexit. And so the last three years, they were actively engaging in trying to stop Brexit from happening. This was sabotage, for lack of a better term. And what it led to is we just saw the election now in the U.K. where it led to a conservative landslide, the largest conservative victory ever. And it was one of Labour's worst defeat, I believe, since 1933. And we had, they had conservatives winning in Labour districts that had never voted Labour ever in their history. Now, what, the way I bring that up is that we're headed to a similar situation here in the States where the political left in America is completely disconnected from middle America from what we consider more than traditional America, they have no connection whatsoever. Culturally, ideologically, how they view just the world in general, they're completely separate from one another. And what we're witnessing is that the middle of the country is going to go overwhelmingly for Trump, even more so than it did in 16. And it's going to lead to a political landslide, but the left in this country is like completely blind to it, and it's amazing. In the UK, and I see the same behavior being repeated here, and it looks like, barring a major recession between now and November, we're headed to a Trump-slash-Republican landslide. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to catch everyone off guard, just like in the U.K. They were stunned when they saw the, the massive conservative landslide. The, the difference, I think, between the two is, is just simply the fact that, I mean, the, the, the United States polls were right. Hillary Clinton did win based off of what the polls were saying in the fact that she got the popular vote. Again, meaningless because we use electoral college, but still the, the, the point remains that the, the poll was accurate. It's just a matter of the fact that people relied, I think, too much on that poll and not enough on local polling and statewide polling to see whether or not. There's also a little bit of the effect, and I forget well, the name the, of the, the state, effect. The state polls were wrong as well. Remember, like Pennsylvania, none of the polls said Trump would win Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin. 
I mean, there was a reason why Hillary didn't even bother to go campaign in Wisconsin. But the polls all the way through had her winning. I, I have to go back and look and see the statewide polls, whatever. See, but the fact of the matter is, is that yes, Hillary Clinton should have done more more campaigning in those states. Um, and, and there is the, my concern about 2020 is 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 less that the Democrats are not or the liberals aren't paying attention uh, to certain issues, but the fact that we have such this is going to be a very hard fought campaign between the Sanders now the Sanders camp and the Biden camp and and remaining Warren supporters that are out there that that I think you're going to see. I mean, there was polling data done last time that showed 10 percent of all of the Bernie Sanders primary voters went to Donald Trump in those states that matter, like in, in your Wisconsin and your um, Michigan. You know, so when it happened, it, it turned everything on its edge. Now, is that going to happen more or less this upcoming election? It really depends on how I think the, the electorate kind of, you know, reacts to both what has happened during the Trump presidency and, and how much they care about that and how much they care about what might happen with a second term of Trump, including but not limiting, limited to the fact that you could very well see um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg retire or, God forbid, pass on. Um, and you wind up having Donald Trump elect, you know, naming a third and maybe even a fourth Supreme Court justice and make a 7-2 uh, split conservative-wise on the court, in which case almost anything he wants to have done will probably be done um, because he'll have that much of a backing of, of what he wants. Um, <clears throat> so it's pretty – that to a liberal – is fairly fairly surprising. I do want to thank you for your call, and I'll, I'll put you back on hold. Um, I do appreciate you calling in because I do have a bunch of other stuff I want to get to. But again, thank you for calling in. Um, you know, it, 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 it's a, it's a concern that I have that that the fact that you know we're going to have such infighting amongst uh, the liberals in this country between you know the, the center left and the the so-called progressive left. Um, I mean, the people in the, in the progressive left would probably would not call me progressive, but I would call myself progressive. Um, I like Bernie Sanders. I do. Um, I've liked, I say it again, I'm a Bernie hipster. I liked him from before it was cool. I liked Bernie Sanders back when he had a 4% name recognition uh, rate. Uh, I liked things that he said. I shared videos of him. Like, hey, check out this guy. This guy is, you know, saying some good stuff. <clears throat> so, and, and I think this country would probably be better off if we would, if we elected Bernie Sanders and a Congress that was willing to pass uh, the items that need to be passed. Uh, I think that we would have a, a be in a much better situation as a country. Um, that's why I've had people like Rebecca Parson, people, other, other progressive type people challenging establishment entrenched, uh, Democrats in these safe districts because that's the best one of the best ways I think to move uh, the, the Congress to the left is to have these people challenging stale ideas and I'm very much <clears throat> supportive of that but problem is is that and I was talking to um, Nimbus Yosh about this a little earlier the problem is just does Bernie Sanders have the coattails and does he have the wherewithal to actually win a nomination outright? Can he do that? I don't know. 
we, we're not going to know until probably later on in the week who ends up with the most <clears throat> overall delegates uh, between Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden. Bernie could very well have the lead, but I think a lot of people were expecting him to have the lead. And uh, people who were in second place were like, as long as I'm with behind him by no less than 300, I know more than 350 delegates, I'll be okay. I think that was one of the quotes from one of the campaigns. And if we could be behind him by 350 delegates, we'll be good. Well, at the moment, Joe Biden's ahead. So, and he, and here's, there's the coattail argument. I'll get to the coattail argument, maybe take a break. And then after the coattail argument, I'll go ahead and talk about ultimately Bernie's blunder. And this is, this is what I think a lot of voters are thinking when it comes to the coattails. Um, when Barack Obama won in 2008, um, he did win a state, and, and, and he was able to flip certain states, like North Carolina. And again, one of the reasons he won North Carolina, I'll talk about before. But in doing so, he was able to bring along a Democratic senator to defeat a uh, embattled, admittedly Republican incumbent. Now, whether or not the fact that the incumbent Republican was embattled or not was played more or less in, in the fact that the Democrat was able to win that seat, that's another thing entirely. Uh, that, that could be a discussion of a whole other show. You have you – know, there, you currently have, what, two seats missing in the Senate. I think, what, the 58 senators? Now, if, if, if Bernie Sanders wins, the Republican governor of Vermont would name a Republican to replace him, most likely. And you have Doug Jones in Alabama. I don't think anybody expects Doug Jones to hold on to his Senate seat. So you're now down four. If you win the presidency, you need to flip four other districts. Maybe Mark Warner in Arizona. Maybe uh, John Hickenlooper in Colorado. um, Maybe whoever's running in Montana, very popular. I don't think Bullock decided to jump in that race, even though he should have. But you had another a popular mayor running for that seat, but I don't know if that mayor has enough what they would call gravitas uh, to be able to pull off a victory there. You've got two seats in Georgia that are up for grabs. Stacey Abrams made a close race in the governor's race. I'm sure she's fighting for that to go over there. Um, one thing uh, I will say, I still say a friend of mine had brought up that there were some things that rumblings had happened after the Stacey Abrams election where she took credit for things that she didn't get. Um, maybe there's an issue there. I don't know. Um, but you have two Georgia seats that could be very close. Uh, a lot of people thought that Georgia was close to becoming flipped um, last time, that it was in play, that it was potentially in play. It could potentially be in play this time. Somebody running in South Carolina, is that is that likely? No. Um, you have the surprise of a governorship in North Carolina. I don't know if there's a North Carolina Senate seat currently up for grabs. You have opportunities there uh, to, to, to get more Democratic voters <clears throat> out and to get more Democratic seats in the Senate. Because uh, you're not going to get anything passed that you want to get passed if you leave the Senate in the hands of the Republicans, which means you need 50, and it means you need the vice presidency, obviously. So you need 50 plus the, plus the Veep to be able to break any ties, get, a, get around any filibusters, because the filibuster is basically dead. So 
the, the, the fear that a lot of people have out there, and is it legitimate? I don't know. It might very well be. Uh, it might very well be that Sanders could bring out new young voters. Although, in many states last night, that did not happen. He, he got less votes in certain areas. He got less percentage in certain areas. I mean, he didn't get 50% in Oklahoma. And I don't think the difference between him and Warren in Oklahoma topped the Biden and, and Bloomberg in Oklahoma. So that's one state where he dropped. So, so I don't know if Bernie Sanders has – I don't know if Joe Biden has the coattails to drag somebody along. But the fact that Joe Biden is more of a centrist – and the fact that these states that Democrats need to pull off wins in are more conservative than other states might tend to lead somebody to come to the conclusion that even if they did like Bernie Sanders more, that Bernie Sanders might be the less likely of the two people to pull people with him across the finish line. Even if he did win, if he became president, and then you only have 49 seats, you're not getting any Supreme Court justices named. You're not getting anybody named. Or the only Supreme Court justices you're going to name are going to be people that are milk toast moderates. And that's not what Bernie Sanders supporters want. That's not what I want. <coughs> Bernie Sanders is the president. I want progressive judges. I want judges who are going to believe that the Constitution protects the women's rights for full body autonomy. It's not going to happen if you can't win back the Senate. And I believe that if Joe Biden is the president, that he will also elect the correct Supreme Court nominees who will protect women's right to choose, marriage rights, and all the other rights that should be upheld by a court that respects the idea of liberty and body autonomy. Let's go ahead and take a next commercial break. Um, let's go ahead and uh, take your calls as well. That's 914-803-4131. That's 914-803-4131. This is Dan Zimmerman with Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left. That's right. Are you planning a trip to Disney soon? Do you want help avoiding spending mistakes and making the most of your vacation? Then check out BudgetEars.com, a new site devoted to helping you get the most mouse for your money. What kinds of tickets should you get? Is the dining plan a good deal for you? Should you stay on grounds or not? Should you buy park hoppers? Many other sites are filled with information about what other people like to do. But BudgetEars is geared to help you make the best decision for you. So check out BudgetEars.com or go to YouTube.com slash BudgetEars and help make your trip the best it can be. BudgetEars.com is not a travel agency and it is not affiliated with the Disney Corporation or any of its holdings. In a world gone mad, one progressive will do a bad movie trailer guy impression to get you to listen to his show. There's only one thing that I like better than the Liberal Dan Radio minicast. All right, Bill, that's enough of that. On the Liberal Dan Radio minicast, you will hear an honest discussion of the day's issues with some personal bits in between. 
You might even hear what the other side has to say, sometimes even in their own voices. So become one of the liberal damn family, because family means no one gets left behind or forgotten. To hear those bad impressions and more, tune into the Liberal Dan Radio minicast. Talk from the left, that's right. And I think to myself, what a wonderful show. Mmm, yeah. Are you someone who is looking to get into the ride-sharing business, be it for a side hustle or a full-time gig? Are you currently a ride-share driver wondering how to increase your earnings? Are you simply a new rider looking for first-time rider credits? Head on over to RideshareDan.com for those first-time rider credits, sign-up bonuses for new drivers, and my tips and tricks to help you make more money in the gig economy. Greetings. This is Nimbus Josh, host of the Percy Podcast. What is the Percy Podcast? <laughs> well, it's pretty much the smoothest talking host you'll ever hear in your life, talking about all kinds of things, political things, nerdy things, fun things, not-so-fun things. Go ahead, give a listen, and follow at the Percy Podcast for more updates and information. Why not sit back and take a listen to one of the best podcasts you'll ever hear, and no one else will. (laughs) Catch you on the tunes. back to Liberal Dan Radio, Talk from the Left, That's Right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming at you from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, it's 914-803-4131. That's 914-803-4131. And you can also join us in the show chat, uh, Liberal Dan at blogtalkradio.com slash Liberal Dan. If you're listening after the live broadcast, it's liberaldan.com. You can leave your comments on the show through there, facebook.com slash Liberal Dan or at Liberal Dan Radio on Twitter. Um, let's see, bring it, boy. If you were a fence sitter, what kind of ears would be the best fit? Round ears or sharp ears? I'm not quite exactly sure what you mean there. Uh, please, uh, please explain more. I, I want to know what you mean. Um, so here's something that I posted on one of my cousin's pages, and it's actually, it actually took me a little bit to find it <coughs> because I thought it was prophetic about let's 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 scroll down to it um it's on uh facebook.com slash liberal dan and i posted it 22 hours ago and it was 13 hours before that so 35 hours ago roughly give or take an hour or two i posted or i predicted that southern states as a whole could be impactful in the race um so I said, anybody who comes out today with 500 delegates will have to get roughly 60% of the delegates remaining. Not impossible. What will be interesting to see is that, yeah, Texas and California are huge halls, but the collection of southern states that are not Texas is worth 350 or so delegates in and of themselves. And what happened yesterday? Joe Biden won Alabama, got 40 delegates to seven delegates. Joe Biden won Arkansas, 16 to eight delegates. 
Joe Biden won North Carolina, 56 to 26 delegates. Biden won Tennessee, 29 to 15. Virginia, 66 to 31. Joe Biden's total haul from those five southern states, 207 to 87, a 120-point swing in Joe Biden's favor, simply because he did what? He followed what Barack Obama did in 2008. He followed what Hillary Clinton did in 2016 and what Bernie Sanders should have done in 2016, but didn't do. And that is go to the South and scoop up all of the delegates um, that were, that are there to have. So, and I've been talking about this for the last four years. I've been talking to Bernie supporters about it. I've, I've added at Bernie Sanders on Twitter I've been discussing this as much as possible when I can, which is the fact that Bernie Sanders ignored the playbook that Barack Obama wrote in 2008 simply on how to defeat Hillary Clinton. Nobody expected Barack Obama to beat Hillary Clinton when he entered the race for president. I mean, everybody expected at some point this intelligent young man would who, who made a very great speech at the 24th, 2004 uh, Democratic Convention when they were uh, putting Kerry up against Bush. And I remember I was sitting in bed. I was kind of, I was looking, I think, at class materials that I was studying for, for a test or something. And all of a sudden, in my, in my left, I hear somebody talking, and it sounds like The Rock. But he's talking about politics. I'm like, what the hell is The Rock? Oh, that's not The It's Barack Obama. And one of the best things that happened, although it could have been better, was when they had all three presidential candidates in 2008, uh, Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, and John McCain. They went on, they all did little video vignettes for Raw, uh, WWE Raw, and Obama did what I wanted him to do, which was say, if you smell what Barack is cooking. Now, I would have been so much more impressed had he just went for it and just was like, if you but he didn't um, <clears throat> and I kind of understand why he didn't but I think he might have won over some more fans had he went ahead and just sold it like The Rock that would have been hilarious anyway but he wrote the book on how to beat Hillary Clinton in a presidential primary and that is go to the south get the votes so what, what did Hillary Clinton do she learned. She went to the South and she got the votes. Bernie Sanders did not. In 2016, when asked about the South, and he's like, yes, there are nine votes that Hillary Clinton beat and killed us at. They are conservative states. And it's not just Bernie Sanders that said it. His campaign said it. His wife, I believe, also made a similar comment about it. All writing off these delegates, and I have had people all day yesterday and all day today trying to make some thing, make some, make some little argument over the fact that why would he try to get delegates in, in southern states he can't flip instead of making, trying to get delegates in swing states that he can flip. And I'm like, you don't go to delegate states to flip them necessarily. 
You go to them to get delegates. You get delegates in these states. And nobody can understand this fact. And that's, that's just, I think it's the most frustrating thing about, you know, you have this candidacy for Bernie Sanders, and he wants to be taken seriously. He wants everybody to, to think that he's a serious candidate, that he's, and look, he's doing very well, and he gets a lot of delegates, but he can't go over the top. He's handicapping himself by not going to nine states. And people's like, oh, well, he went. Yes, he did show up. He came to the Ponch Train Center in Kenner, Louisiana, and he gave a rally. And that's it. The people who supported him came out to support him. Um, he went to a friend of, uh, he went to somebody I know's house, somebody, there's a little bit of bitterness there because I was like, you know, why didn't you invite me uh, to come to this uh, event at your house? I would have loved to be able to meet a presidential candidate and interview him, but I wasn't invited. And then she eventually unfriended me because of the fact that I wouldn't. You know, a lot of Bernie Sanders supporters can't stand the fact that you don't come, you fall in line. They want you to fall in line. They want you to, you know, hey, support Mike. If you're not supporting my guy, you're against him. I'm like, I'm not against him. I've liked him for longer than you probably knew him. But guess what? If he wins the nomination, I'll 100% and wholeheartedly endorse and support him and, and, and do what I can to make sure he wins. But I'm, uh, back in 2016, I couldn't even vote in the presidential election because at the time I was registered into a non-party because at the time or previous to that, uh, the Louisiana Democratic Party had endorsed unrepentant convicted felon Edward Edwards for Congress, and I said that if they did that, I'd leave the party, and I did. I've since returned just as the fact that I do want to have a say in this election if it's still not decided by the time it gets to Louisiana. And here's the thing. Why should I vote for Bernie Sanders if he's not going to do what he needs to do to win the nomination? It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make sense for me to say, okay, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna support this guy. Maybe I do like him more if I like him more than Joe Biden. I'm not saying I do. I'm not saying I don't. What I'm saying is that even if I did, I'd have to look at him and say, like, yeah, he's he's good and all, but he's not doing what he needs to do to win the election because he's ignoring these states. And why is he ignoring these states? Because they're conservative. But the people in these states that are voting in the Democratic primaries, Louisiana is a closed primary. Louisiana is about thirty. 35 to 40% liberal. Now, when Barack, when Barack Obama came down here, he didn't say, oh, well, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to flip Louisiana. I think I'm going to flip Alabama. No, he just came down and he got the delegates because that's the point now is to get the delegates. Now, you can convince the swing states to vote for you later. That, that there's plenty of time for that. But everybody keeps trying to argue that Bernie Sanders shouldn't go to campaign in Louisiana or shouldn't go campaign in Alabama, shouldn't be trying to make a serious effort in the states because he can't flip them. Well, you don't intend to flip them. You just go get the delegates because a delegate from Louisiana is worth the same as a delegate from California, is worth the same as a delegate from uh, Vermont, is worth the same as a delegate from Maryland. <clears throat> a delegate's a delegate a del- is a delegate, and you need just under 2,000 in this election to get it. And in these five states, there were 350 available. Barack Obama, again, had a 120-point swing because Bernie Sanders didn't try in these five states. And he's not going to try in Louisiana, and he's not going to try in Mississippi, and he may try in Florida because Florida's different. 
Um, he's probably not going to try in Georgia. Um, however, I think that's the rest of the states. It's eight states-ish, maybe. Maybe I'm missing one. I don't know. Maybe South Carolina might be the ninth. Um, he's not going to try in those states <clears throat> because I don't have any. Re- and I say that because I don't have any reason to believe that he would try in those states because he doesn't give me any any inkling, any any reason to think that he's going to treat those states any differently. So it's a nine-state. He's starting off at a nine-state disadvantage. He's starting up at a disadvantage of 120. He's giving away. 120 electoral votes because he didn't campaign in those five states and whatever else those rest of the states, whatever Georgia's worth, Mississippi, Louisiana, I'll have to add those up. You look at the averages and see how he did. You see how he did in Alabama, 40 to seven. You see how he did in uh, Arkansas. He won half there, more than half in Alabama, more than half in North Carolina, more than half in Tennessee, more than half in Virginia. He's getting more than half the delegates of each of these states. It's reasonable to suggest that he would get at least half of the Louisiana not even more than half. He's getting two-thirds. He's getting more than two-thirds of the delegates. He's, 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 he's beating Bernie Sanders on a two-for-one in these states. So those last three remaining states, uh, let, let's look at them real quickly. Let's see what's coming up in the 2000. Uh, let's see what's coming up. So in Mississippi is coming up March 10th. Um, Mississippi, it's not saying here. Well, let's let's go to the results of the primary. So, um, Mississippi is March 10th. There's 36 delegates. Um, so, probably get 24, uh, 24 to 12. You get a net gain of 12 if if it's two to one. Um, we're gonna go to Louisiana, 54. Um, 54, 17, 17 and 34 would be 51. So 18 and 36 is 54. So an 18 point swing for Louisiana, an 18, an 18 vote net for Louisiana, uh, 12 vote net. So that's 30 votes right there. Uh, Georgia, where's Georgia? Lost Georgia. Georgia, 105. Uh, so let's, let's see. It's uh, 35. It'll be a 35 vote net. So if you look at what Biden has already done in all those other states, if he's gotten at least a two to one advantage in all of those states, and then you look at the amount of delegates that are available, <clears throat> 105. So that's uh, 35 point swing if he, if he maintains a two for one there. Um, 12 votes, 18 votes, so 30. So 65 delegates net that Bernie Sanders is going to be giving away to Joe Biden if he does the same thing for those other states, just like he did in the states that already exist in the South, in Alabama, Arkansas. 207 to 87, 120 point swing. It's ridiculous. And that's even, let's see, so 207 to, to 87, that's, that's even more than two for one. So my saying <clears throat> that he'll give up 65 points is me being conservative. 
he could absolutely give up more than 65 votes to Joe Biden simply because that's free votes. That's, that's votes that Joe Biden does not have to worry about getting. And this is with other people. This is with other people in the race. You have um, in Virginia, it was 66 to 31, somebody else got the other two. Um, in North Carolina, let's go back to those other states. Let's go back to, let's go back and look at North Carolina again. North Carolina, it was 65 to 35. There was another three. So it's potentially a potential one-point swing, you know, if, if you were to look at North Carolina like that. In Alabama, who um, Boomer got one, not that much of a big of a difference in Alabama. Um, Arkansas, what was what, who, who, who else got votes in Arkansas? Bloomberg got five in Arkansas. So, so maybe it might have been 17 to 22, not two and a half to one instead of two to one. So, again, not that big of a difference in that state. Um, Tennessee, in Tennessee, you had Michael Bloomberg get eight, as opposed to the fifth. So, again, another two and a half to one instead of two to one. Um, you have, what's the other one, North Carolina, Virginia. Um, you had, again, just two extra, again, with Warren, not much. But, again, not much delegate-wise, but vote-wise, if you had, you know, another 10% of the vote going towards Biden, instead of getting 66 of the 99 delegates, he might have gotten another 10% of the vote. Um, Maybe he gets another nine delegates. Even though you don't get any delegates, Michael Bloomberg doesn't get any delegates for having 10% of the vote. But if Joe Biden would have had 10% of the vote, he would have had 63% of the delegates. Math here for a second. Um, so you have in Virginia, you have 99 delegates times 0. 0.63, 62, oh, of course. Eh. Again, I'm just looking at it as a statewide issue. Uh, statewide issue, it's only 62 delegates. Because again, 63% of of 99 is just short of 63% of 100. So again, the math shouldn't have been that difficult for me. But um, again, it depends where. Maybe Joe Biden got higher, even higher in the close to D.C. areas of of Virginia. So maybe in those areas, he actually got more. But on average, he's getting two for one. So if he's getting two for one, and I give him a 120-point swing, He's going to have another 60. That gives him, that's almost 185. He could potentially have almost, you know, depending on how the other votes go, he could have maybe a 200-point swing because Bernie ignored the South, meaning that Bernie Sanders is giving himself a uh, 200-vote disadvantage, a 200-vote handicap in the election. He has to now make that 200 votes up other places. And he's not doing it. <coughs> California, I think, is going to be tighter than a lot of people expect. I think because you have votes that are coming in that were mailed Monday, mailed Tuesday, people knew that Buttigieg 
and Warren, or not Warren, Buttigieg and Klobuchar and Steyer have now dropped out. Now you have the situation where those people are going to go. And where are they going to go? They're likely going to go to Biden because that's where it's been going nationwide. So when Bernie says that he, is, that he didn't want to campaign in those states because they were in the South and the South is conservative, he is automatically giving up at least 185, maybe more votes, a 200-point roughly 200 delegate disadvantage that he's placing himself in. That's a pretty big disadvantage to place yourself in, uh, in when it comes to the election for, for Biden to only then have to get at that point, what, like 1790 instead of 1990, if he gets 200 more votes just from the South, then he has to get 790. Whereas he has to get 1990. So it's, why would you handicap yourself like that? It doesn't make sense whatsoever. Um, and, and that's what's frustrated me that these that these Sanders are, that look at my notifications on Twitter. Uh, Bernie was in Oklahoma, Alabama, North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee, Georgia. He even did four hours in Texas. He's been all over the South. He didn't ignore anyone. Yeah, he he was there, and of course he he tried in Texas. I'm not counting Texas. He tried in Texas. But in all the other southern states, he gave himself, he's giving up two-for-one delegates. Other people, why would, what does the other person say? Um, Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? It's somewhere down here. Um, That was an interesting thing. Side note, uh, my wife, uh, Malcolm Nance, who is a frequent guest on the Stephanie Miller show, uh, was tweeted out something, and my wife had sent me a, a screenshot of his tweet. And as I was reading it in my screenshots, I was listening to the Stephanie Miller show, and she was reading it on the show. It's very surreal, very interesting. Uh, weird how things happen like that. Um, I'm not seeing the tweet. That was there. Let me try and scroll back up. But again, it was another tweet where people say, like, why would Bernie go there? He's not going to flip it. Uh, Republican states are more likely to vote for Biden. Um, And I'm like, but that's not the case. You don't go to these states to try and flip them. I had a whole big argument on my page about this as well, on on my personal Facebook page. Um, between me and, and somebody who's been a friend of mine for a while, but who's a who's a staunch Sanders supporter. He does not like uh, Joe Biden. He, he thinks that by sending up somebody um, who is more conservative, who is more of a centrist, uh, that, that that's going to be a losing proposition. But he's like, where is like, Where's where's his other comments? Um, so nobody's saying that Bernie Sanders should be trying to should should be trying to get delegates in Louisiana or Alabama because that might get him the victory in the general election. They're saying that he's stupid for not going after delegates in Louisiana and Alabama because they exist and he and he's just conceding those delegates to other candidates and that makes it much more hard for him to win the primary. Um, calls it appeasement because it's treating the southern states you physically cannot win as rational expenditures of your time when you could be trying to build support in actual swing states. It's appeasement because the Democratic Party values their presence despite knowing it won't amount to actual support. Um, 
He referenced John Bell Edwards, and of course, John Bell Edwards is a conservative Democrat. He is pro-life. He voted. He he signed into law one of those stupid heartbeat bills that is unnecessary uh, because Louisiana already had a pro-life bill, um, pro-life law that was made into effect that triggers once Roe v. Wade is overturned or if Roe v. Wade is overturned. And you know what? If you let Trump win again, Roe v. Wade's going to get overturned. It's not a scare tactic. It's the truth. <clears throat> but you cannot. Cannot make the argument that Bernie Sanders is somehow justified in not going into these southern states to try and get those those seats. Again, it's a hundred and twenty point swing that he Bernie Sanders just said, "Look, here you go, done." It's ridiculous. Let's see. Oh, look, I, I like seeing that. I go down to the Dan. You are right. I love when my listeners say that, or anybody says that for that matter. Uh, let's see. Um, it seems to me that it's become a part of the Democratic mantra to avoid conservative talk radio and television shows in addition uh, to conservative districts. It makes no sense uh, if you're running a president of the entire country. It's not just about getting delegates. I'm sure uh, we want them. But if the presidential candidate's campaigning in the United Arab seems logical to speak to as many people anywhere in the country. Otherwise, many people ignored. Division will still continue to get worse. I agree. And that is another point, is that you don't want to treat – you don't want to act like Republicans do. You don't want to – treat the other side as if they are the enemy. Now, granted, I mean, I am guilty of calling people deplorable when they prove themselves deplorable, and that's, you know, okay. But I call in to conservative talk shows as well. I try and give well-reasoned, well-articulated, well-thought-out discussions of the points that I make in the few minutes that I get to call into the conservative talk radio shows that I do call into. I, I'm happy to have conservatives call into my show and discuss things. I have friends who are conservative. Now, a lot of my friends who are self-described conservatives also don't like Donald Trump. I think they voted third party the last time. So that's another thing. Um, but you have the situation where we have so much at stake here. And then if, if you can get you know like Amy Klobuchar was saying, that, you know, she wants to get those liberals, centrist, moderate Republicans to get on her side, to get on board. And the argument from the other, from the Bernie Sanders folks is, why do we want to cater to these people who are basically just Republicans when we want to push our country further to the left? Well, you know what? Sometimes we have to pick our battles. And maybe, just maybe, if the 10% of Bernie Sanders supporters who, didn't, who voted for Donald Trump in 2016 hadn't have done that and would have just voted for Jill Stein instead. They would have voted for Jill Stein. Hillary Clinton would have won the election and then we wouldn't have to deal with four years of orange Julius. And, and we wouldn't have to deal with the, uh, the vacancies of the Supreme court not being filled. We could have had um, somebody better than um, <clears throat> what's his face. <laughs> I can't even remember his name off the top of my head. Um, the individuals that deserve to be called deplorables, but on a whole, I think you're fair to hear them out. Yes, I, I will give somebody a chance to talk. I will give somebody a chance to, to be able to make a well-reasoned argument. The last caller, I think, you know, was was a really good caller. I mean, he, he, I disagree with his politics, obviously, but he made his points in a very well-reasoned way. He had. He believes that there's going to be a potential landslide for the for the Republicans, and you know what? I'm worried 
that there may be a potential landslide for the Republicans if we can't all get together afterwards, sing Kumbaya and vote Putin no matter who, regardless of who wins this election. Um, and and here's, here's one of my other concerns, and I guess I'll, I'll probably let this be the final concern unless I think of something else that I wanted to talk about on this show. It's the irresponsibility of Bernie Sanders. Um, his big blunder was, again, not going after the southern states in a serious way. That's his blunder. But he's also, in my opinion, been irresponsible. And I talked about this a little bit on a previous show where I said that I kind of hoped that he either wins outright or comes in second. Because if he wins outright, then there's no arguments to be had. He wins. If he comes in second, then he can't make the I came in first argument, therefore you should vote for me uh, in the second or beyond round. The superdelegates should support me. The, the unpledged delegates should support me. Now, there may very well be, I think it's possible that you could see because of, of the delegates that have been awarded to people who are not, um, to people who are not um, in the race anymore, who've withdrawn, once those, once they officially drop out because they've, what they do is they suspend their campaigns because they're suspending their campaigns. They're still candidates. So therefore, if you're elected to be a delegate of them, you still have to vote for them unless they withdraw. And there are state provisions that allow, I think if they withdraw and you're not in the certain states that have the provisions that require you to vote a certain way to vote. Um, I think if they withdraw, um, you're for their free or the, or if the delegates are released to vote for whoever they want at that point, they can, uh, there, I think there may be some states that don't allow that until after the first round, but they might allow it. If there, there's, a, there's certain states with release provisions. There's certain states with withdrawal permissions. There are certain states with round provisions. Um, I could look that up, I guess, a little bit if I wanted to, or maybe bring that up in another conversation. But the thing is, is that he – is that, you know, you could get – a couple of extra votes. Like if somebody had like 1970, it's, I think you might have enough unpledged delegates. Now it wants people release their, their delegates to be able to have a win in the first round with a couple of unpledged guys that are coming from districts, coming from delegates either early on, like the Iowa delegates for Pete, the, the New Hampshire delegates for Pete or for, Klobuchar, um, any other delegates that these other candidates might have, the Bloomberg delegates that he picked up on Super Tuesday that he's no longer going to use once he releases them. He could basically say, look, I've endorsed Biden. I want you to endorse Biden. Now, once they become unpledged, they have no requirement. There's no requirement there for them to endorse support Biden, but it's likely that he's going to make sure that the people who, because uh, now that he's endorsed Biden, uh, the people that he gets to be his delegates in the states where he has delegates are likely going to be people that are going to support the way he wants them to be, to vote. So, but Bernie Sanders, by, you know, he's, he's, he's doing these incorrect steps. He's giving away in Southern states a two-to-one advantage, two-to-one delegate advantage to Biden. That's going to give Biden at least 85, 185 extra votes that he wouldn't have had otherwise, that he doesn't have to fight for because he's there and has them. And they're being conceded to him. Guess what? If he, if but if Sanders then goes on and does what he he often does, and blames the establishment, if he goes and he blames the establishment 
for his loss, then his supporters are going to follow suit and then blame the establishment, and that's going to tear the party apart, and that is going to cause havoc and will let Donald Trump win. Now, if Bernie Sanders instead goes, you know what? It was my mistake. I failed to run an effective campaign. Do not blame the establishment. Blame me. I am the one who screwed this up. I am the one who stupidly didn't go after the southern states. If he were to do that, there still may very well be Bernie Sanders supporters that will say, no, man, he got, you know, he still got, you know, it was rigged against Bernie, blah, blah, blah. It wasn't rigged against Bernie. Bernie screwed Bernie because Bernie did not campaign there. And then if he doesn't take personal responsibility for <laughs> um, if he doesn't uh, if he doesn't, I'm just laughing at what Brigham Boy said. A promo for your show. Tune in to Progressive Dan, the fair liberal. Join the conversation on Blog Talk Radio. Hey, spread that far and wide. You know, I would love more people to be listening to the show. I'd love to have more listens. I think I have 20. This is my 200th broadcast um, of the show. I think I'm just under 20,000 listens. Of those robots, though, are legitimate real listens, or how many of those are just people that have kind of just scrolled to the show for a brief second. But I love the top 20,000 on this episode. And I think people need to listen to this episode, and people need to hear some hard truths, especially some Sanders supporters need to hear some hard truths. They, they do not they, – look. Bernie's a politician. Bernie is abs- – and here's another – I knew I was going to think of one more thing, but I forgot. Bernie is a politician just like everyone else is. I don't – I try not to revere politicians. I, I maybe might hold Obama higher than everyone else, but he's still a politician. I mean, if I met him, I'd probably be excited maybe more excited than, than meeting, you know, some of the other politicians that are out there. And here's one thing, again, that, that Bernie Sanders did in 2016. And, and look, Sanders supporters don't believe it. I had another interaction with another Sanders supporter the other day. And to his credit, he gave me props when I came and provided the receipts. I claimed that something happened, and he asked for receipts. And I went, boom, there you go, receipts. I gave the video. I said, look, Bernie Sanders, because Elizabeth Warren was asked at a forum by one of uh, Bernie Sanders supporters um, that why is she one of the people who doesn't want to let the people vote for, the, for the, who the people deserve and whether or not you should, a plurality should be able to win you the nomination. And Elizabeth Warren specifically said that it's not what Bernie felt in 2016. In 2016, Bernie Sanders felt that the superdelegates should go against the will of the people, against the person who had the plurality of the votes. Because at that time, last time in 2016, you could win, you could, get, you could have a plurality of the regular delegates, and then you would need the superdelegates to bring you over the top. And... The person was like, no, that's not true. Bernie Sanders didn't want to do it. And they always want to come back to, well, Bernie Sanders was just part of the rules committee. He didn't want to have the – no. Bernie Sanders specifically said in 2016 that he wanted the, the superdelegates to go against the will 
of the of the plurality of the voters of the Democratic Party and the delegates who were voting for Hillary Clinton and instead support him when he had less actual voters, delegates, and they wanted he wanted the superdelegates to say, let's pick Bernie because Bernie is more likely to defeat Donald Trump. That's what he asked them to do. And that goes against what he was saying for the majority of the campaign, campaign which was superdelegates are undemocratic. Now, in some of the shows they won, he said, look, I would like if superdelegates did not exist, but they do exist and they have a purpose. And the purpose is to make sure that you elect the person who is most electable, and I believe that person is me, so therefore, since they exist, let them do their jobs. And he only said that, though, when he was not in the lead. When he, when, when he felt like he had a chance to be in the lead, he said something completely different. He said that superdelegates go against the will of the people. When I guess they were counting the superdelegates as support Hillary, even though they haven't voted yet. And that's a lot of whining that took place in some of his supporters in 2016, was that you shouldn't count the superdelegates yet because they haven't voted yet, so they technically don't count. They could always change their mind. I was like, yes, they could always change their mind. However, it's irresponsible for news media to not report how they current how the state of the election currently stands. But here's the let's hear. You don't candy coat the truth, at least in my opinion. You call it to see it. I don't say that lightly. I don't think I'm a brown noser. You are not a brown noser. I appreciate the kind words. Thank you very much. Bringing it, boy. Um, welcome your contributions to the chat room. One of my one of my good listeners. One of my good few listeners, <laughs> at least right now. Um, but no, you you have. He hypocritically went against what he said. As such, what happened? No, that's going to turn people off. People are going to look back and say, you know what? After after having all people looked at you as having as having this in, coming out at the race with integrity, at the end of the day, what 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 did you do? You acted like every other politician, and so that turns some people off. I, mean, I I get it. You know, people do get to change their minds. I mean, usually, usually when I point to areas where I've changed my mind, it happened like a long time ago. Like, I'd be like, oh, back in 2004, I used to support this. But now it's 2020, and now I support this other thing, which is maybe more liberal than what I supported way back when in a day. I think in 2004, I was still saying things like, you know, I have no problem. You know, the Roe vs. Wade allows uh, abortions in the, to be banned in the third trimester, and you know, I have no problem with, with you know, certain bans of abortion if they're in the third trimester. Now I'm just like, you know what, make it 100% make it 100% legal. Those late, 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 late term abortions rarely happen, if ever, and if they do happen, it's because there's medical necessity to it. Just leave it between the doctor and the woman. And yes, that makes me more progressive. It makes me more liberal. It makes some people uncomfortable because they think, oh, well, these things are possible. Partial birth abortion can happen. They don't. 16 years ago, I felt a certain way, and now I feel different. I'm not changing my mind on how something should work in the middle of the election that I'm in based on the fact that I don't think I can win any other way. It's like me playing a board game and wanting to change the rules of the board game in the middle of the game. Now, sometimes you make house rules for board games, like free parking on Monopoly, but you don't suggest adding free parking in Monopoly in the middle of your game of Monopoly. You suggest doing that before the game or before your next game, not in the middle of this game. So to me, that's 
you know, that, that, that is one of the reasons why I think some people have been turned off by Bernie. And other people are turned off by Bernie because <clears throat> either they're scared of the whole label of socialism, even though we have a lot of things that are socialist in this country and people don't want to admit. Um, and I think that, you know, I think that the, the whole Brent Scare thing is a little ridiculous or very ridiculous. But at the end of the day, guess what? You know, some people are not going to go for it. And you're going to have your, your independent voters, your, your moderate Republicans, who may very well vote for a Joe Biden, but they're not going to vote for a Bernie Sanders. And, that, and, and if, they, if they're not voting for a Bernie Sanders because of that, they might be unlikely to support other candidates that a Bernie Sanders supports, which brings us back to the points that I made initially in the show, which is that there, there's such a thing as coattails. And, and, and if people are making the decisions on who they want to support based on who has the longer coattails, that is also a valid reason to do so. And, you know, the Bernie Sanders supporters might not like that, but it's, it's, it's the truth of what happens in politics. So anyway, um, Brigham Boy is taken off. Uh, wife, uh, wife, his wife just got home. Uh, I am probably going to be taking it off as what taking it off taking off as well i do have to wait for the show to end in order for me to and process so i can make a quick edit and then put it back up on the, in 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 the in the, the whole ether of the interwebs load it up on inner tubes as they say anyway <clears throat> go ahead and say this is the make the end of this week's episode of liberal day and radio i'll be back next wednesday at 8 p.m central on blog talk radio Hopefully, as long as uh, something doesn't happen and we don't screw up again. Um, again, uh, you can follow me at facebook.com slash liberalband, liberalband.com, and at liberalband on radio on Twitter. You can also follow my anchor podcast as well. Until next week, this is Dan Zimmerman with Liberal Band Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. <laughs>